For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! is a traveling Tuesday here on Birds 365. Eagles will be off to Ohio. We'll talk about that and all things Birds over the next two hours here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, Birds 365. Yeah, McDonald. Yeah, McMullen. He's in the guest chair, and we'll uh, get some thoughts from him over the next half hour before he heads off to the last full practice he's going to get a chance to cover for the Eagles this preseason Jeff Kerr sitting in uh, for Johnny Mac today as my co-host. He'll stick around into our number two. Uh, McMullen, not a bad day. Good. You don't have to worry about the sun or the heat or whatever. It's nights out yeah, there. You got to spend hours. No, maybe not hours, but maybe an hour and change on the field. Hour today. And change, Your last yeah. heavy uh, lifting for the season. I was surprised. Not the last heavy lifting of the season. Oh, of course. But I was surprised. Uh, with all the heat, no bites, and then bang, the first half decent day and all kinds of fisticuffs. So that was a little bit of a surprise. So maybe it's even a little bit nicer, a little bit cooler. Maybe maybe temperatures will uh, tempers will flare even more. Who knows? Who John, knows? Do you, do you guys get excited like it's the last day of like the open practices for the beaver because i know you guys got to be there all year but is there like a sort of oh wow it's over that type of thing no we hate it We'd rather watch practice uh, so they don't give you anything during the year anyway yeah but if we watch practice in the old days you could watch practice i mean got the guys have been around for a while they would let you watch practice in the regular season until they all got nuts and oh oh everything cia every and, and the I- ironic thing is the game has gotten simpler and they've gotten more uh uh paranoid 
Yeah, uh, the league as a not just the Eagles, the league as a whole. Uh, people at at the start of Andy Reid's era, they they were allowed to watch practice here. I was allowed to watch practice for years in Tampa Bay and Minnesota. I mean, it was a regular occurrence. You watch practice, and now, oh, you got to get out. You got to get out. Even in the regular season, you have very uh, preseason. You have very limited training camp uh, camera time. Because they're so afraid of things getting – it's bizarre. It's yeah. it's bizarre. Wasn't Chip's first year, I think, they, the Eagles put the kibosh on because people were, like, tweeting what was going on during practice? Well, that's another – you know, they're, we're, we're – <laughs> I, I just tweet what I see. You know, occasionally you'll get a text or an email, this is too much detail. I'm like, well, you can't tell a reporter – not to report now the league holds these credentials over people's heads and hey kick me out if you're going to kick me out i mean if we're there we're going to report uh or and 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 that's what it is but yeah i mean it's you know if you think about the days of bill walsh where everything was so complicated and you have these things and they didn't care they didn't care they would let reporters watch practice and now they're all running the same damn thing. It's all college-based offense. It's all splitting the field in half. It's all RPOs. And they're oh, you can't, we can't show this. I I got a text. I'll tell you on the air. I don't care. Uh, I, I the Eagles, you the Eagles were thirty-second in motion, so they ran a motion play in practice, and I described it in my column. And, oh, you can't do that. That's too much detail. What do you mean? It's a simple motion play, and it was a back. A backdoor screen. Everybody in the league runs it. I, I, it's absurd the way these these people try to protect state secrets. And by the way, Lincoln Financial Field, uh, the the one open practice for the fans, we're kicked off the field. Fifteen minutes can't can't take pictures. They can take videos and cameras to their heart's delight. And you see Jordan Davis putting Cam Jurgens on skates and that's the reason you saw the touchdown. We weren't allowed to film that. Yeah. The it's, fans are allowed to, it's absurd well, um, on, it, on, on the surface. There was a debate in Buffalo about that because of the bills open practice. Yeah, the bills are terrible, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. The, the fans were filming everything and the reporters can, and the reporters got into it with the fans and they said, look, like what it's a double standard. It, it is. And, I mean, well, reporters shouldn't be getting into it with fans. It's not the fans' fault. No, no, it's, it's not. It's, and that's what I said. I'm like, you can't yeah. blame the fans for doing, you know, what fans do. I, I don't yeah. blame them one bit. I do it. All right, Johnny Mac, let's get back onto the field. You, you mentioned you got me on a tangent early. <laughs> Maybe it was the weather that it wasn't uh, just absolutely a sauna that led to eagle altercations on the field. I'd probably point the finger more at Andre Dillard, seeing as he was involved in every single one of them. Um, We know Andre is going to either be here as the backup to Jordan Mailata, or he could be traded between now and the first uh, game of the season. Feeling a little pressure. He missed some time because of a concussion. Um, uh, I, I, I know you neither, you nor I were there to break down exactly what ticked off each of these altercations, but uh, when one guy is involved in all of them over the course of a practice and they haven't had any inter- altercations all uh, preseason long, you got a question as to what's the mindset of the guy who's involved in all of them. Where do you think Andre Dillard's head is at? 
It's a good question. You know, he was supposed to talk after that practice, and the Eagles removed him from from practice uh, as a precautionary measure because he was coming off those concussion uh, that concussion protocol, and his helmet got ripped off by Patrick Johnson. You know, probably just what we just talked about. They probably was more so trying to keep him away from the media because he was scheduled to talk to the media. Um, it, 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 if you go back to his rookie season and you had that high profile incident also with Derek Barnett and there was that photo that, let's just call it watery eyes. You can just, you know, and, and he's never outlived it you know fans keep bringing it up and he's not tough and he's not this and he's not and i think sometimes you know guys push him and he's winning reps which to me is the most important part he won every single rep he got a bite in um and they push him because they think he you know they're not pushing uh uh jason peters back in the day (laughs) nobody's pushing jason peters uh they they push Andre Dillard and you know stood up for himself. I think it's a good sign, to be honest. I think it's a real good sign. Um, I don't see anything wrong with it. Um, and he's a good player. Unfortunately, he's blocked here. You know, the Eagles have Jordan Mailata. So that's a difficult decision for Howie Roseman. We saw a trade yesterday, JJ Ortega Whiteside. So somebody was willing to pick up the contract. You can imagine if he's got value. Uh, Andre Dillard's got value, especially his injuries pile up across the league. And you got to do that. You know, is it better to have the depth? Is it better to hold on to him? Is it better to get what you can while you can? You start talking about compensatory picks, you know, how he's got to think ahead. How many free agents do I plan to sign next offseason? That's Howie's equation. Am I going to get a compensatory pick for Andre Dillard? Because the contract will probably be pretty high. So if he signs less than he loses, you you might get a third-round compensatory pick, maybe a fourth round at worst. Um, all that plays into the equation. I think the Eagles think they're contenders, so I'd rather have the depth. <laughs> One injury and, oof. you know, we talk about the depth on the offensive line. I talk about it all the time. And it's good compared to other teams, and that's what I try to stress. But if you lose Lane Johnson, go to Jack Driscoll. It's worse. It's a lot worse. If you lose Jason Kelsey and go to Cam Jurgens, it's nice, but it's worse. If you lose Jordan Milan and go to Andre Dillard, it's nice, but it's worse. And it gets incrementally. And if you go to Andre Dillard to LaRaven Clark, well, then you're in deep trouble. Even though it might be the best third string left tackle in football, but nobody wants to be down to their third string left tackle. You know, but John, you just led to my next question. If they would trade Andre Dillard, I guess it would be LaRaven Clark, but who would back up LaRaven Clark at, at that point? I, I think you're it's a massive hole at tackle if you do trade Andre Dillard. You're just like every other team, you know, and that's that's how the other half lives. Um, you know, if they lose their left tackle. Um yeah, you're you're scrambling, you're helping, you're playing Dallas Goddard on that side. You have to change your entire offense. You have to help. 
Um, yeah, so it's it's I keep them um, and then maybe revisit it at the trade deadline and say somebody desperate and, you know, Jordan's completely healthy and then you roll the dice, maybe. Uh, but I, I'd keep Andre Dillard. I, All right, J-Mac, you mentioned uh, the Eagles found out there was value in J-Jaw. I probably argued the other side. The Seattle Seahawks traded a guy that they were going to cut to the Eagles for a guy that they were going to cut. So they're only going to be members of each other's teams for the next 24 hours. It's just kind of a positional swap. Seattle has a, a shorter depth chart. At the receiver position, Eagles have a shorter jet depth chart at the safety position. So it's kind of a trade of convenience. And I'm not sure I would be a bet. If I was a betting man, I would bet neither one of these guys are on the 53-man roster when their two teams cut down. Uh, did they really get value for J-Jaw? Well, yeah, because they need help. And and why not get another dart for, for the dartboard? And, you know, you saw what they're trying to do with Josiah Scott and that you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know everything about Ugo Almadi. I can't even I don't even know if that's how you pronounce his name. But uh, he's played nickel corner. He's a safety by trade. Exactly what they're doing with Josiah Scott. He's also a good special teams player. So when you say he, you know, he might not make the team, but I think he might make the team just because he can play special teams and they need help in, in kick and punt coverage. Um, and if he can do that and sort of wait, you know, he could, that's what happened with Andre Sachery last year. I mean, he was brought in to be a special teamer. Um, and if, if this kid can play special teams um, and there's some highlights out there of him making some splash plays as a gunner, I don't know if there's any consistency. Highlights are highlights. Uh, they don't show the lowlights. Yeah. So they might be even worse. I don't know. Uh, but I, I think it's worthwhile because, as you said, Jody, J.J. wasn't making the team. So, you know, to be able to get somebody who, who has at least a chance to make the team uh, makes some sense to me. John, speaking of the safety position, uh, Jaquaski Tart, uh, I'm starting to wonder if he's going to make the team. Yeah, I would. I would. That stock is, it ain't Tesla. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, he's he he missed three days for personal reasons. Um, he came back. He was on the third team. Now, the only thing helping Jaquaski Tart is he's got a lot of of money in the bank granted in a different organization, but you know, he's played on a good defense for a long time. Um, maybe shot physically. I, I, I don't know, but the Eagles keep churning this backup safety spot. They look at Kayvon Wallace. They don't like that. They moved Josiah Scott. Now they pick up uh, Amadi. So, you know, maybe they don't like Josiah Scott. Maybe they don't like Andre Sachere. Reed Blankenship, an undrafted rookie that they gave 50 grand to, got first team reps. Um, they're trying everything. So, you know, it it might default to, well, at least Tart's a veteran. Let's keep him at the end. They know what he can do. Uh, or he's so buried. <laughs> it could be, could be either or, uh, to be honest. 
Is Hugo going to be in Cleveland? Is he going to get there in time to take uh, part in the joint practices that the Eagles have coming up? Uh, they're leaving today to go to Cleveland and will uh, compete with the Browns for a couple of days before playing the exhibition game on Sunday. Uh, last year, you reported, all the guys who were there reported that uh, Sirianni very much into the joint practices and put a heavy emphasis on them even to the point of uh, getting you guys to go undefeated 4-0. and Man, the undefeated, the champions of joint practices in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, they'll probably take the same bent again this year. Uh, how much of the safety position will be decided by what's done in the joint practices first yeah, this week against the Browns and then against the Dolphins? And and, yeah, both, and, and the Dolphins as well. Yeah, they'll know after those two sessions of joint practices, who, how they're going to proceed at safety or who knows, maybe when they cut down to 53, they'll do something else at safety. It's one of those, it's one of those positions we talked about yesterday, Jody. I said, safety running back tight end. Uh, That's where they need help when it comes to depth. And they went out and got a safety already. Um, if they're not happy with that safety after those joint practices, and yeah, he'll be in Cleveland. He might be in Philadelphia by the end of today. Uh, that stuff happens quickly. Um, Seattle, you know, by the way, good for JJ. Gets as far away from Philadelphia as possible. Uh, so I, I wish him well. He's actually a good guy. So didn't work out, but uh, it, it, it's good for him to get a change of scenery. But yeah, he's going to have to hit the ground running and try to pick up things as quickly as possible. And luckily, they've shifted a little bit towards uh, away from the cover three, I, I believe, in Seattle. So maybe it comes a little bit easier since half the league got so obsessed. I go back with secrecy. Half the league runs the same damn defense from Big Pangia. Um, so maybe that makes it a little bit easier for him. Yeah, John, you, you brought up my next point here. Why didn't it work out in Philadelphia? It, it felt like that 19 preseason, he had a lot of promise. And then he wasn't getting on the field the regular season, and Doug was using him as a blocker. And he had that touchdown against the Dolphins, and he had that big catch against the Cowboys in Week 16. But it, it just never seemed to pan out. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think he lost his confidence. Um, Confidence is big. We see it with Jalen Reger as well. Confidence is big with professional athletes. And, you know, I did – I think there's some revisionist history. I put that on Twitter, people saying, oh, the Eagles reached for J.J. No, they didn't. No, that's – Yeah, they did. No, no, they didn't. Okay, that's your opinion, John. My opinion is a reach. I had uh, J.J. as a third or fourth round pick. They took him in the second round. In my opinion, it was Well, I'm not saying, but what what I'm saying is, Jody, and and Ruben did this story, Ruben Frank, he went back and looked. And there's 10 other draft guys that said no. Mel Kuyper said he would have been a first round pick. So I'm glad you got it right, but other people got it wrong. Okay. And and the assumption that overall he was this massive reach, no, yeah, a couple people had him going in the third round. A lot of people had him going in the second round. Some people had him going in the first round. He was a heck of a college player um, at Stanford. Everybody talked about his contested catch ability. Never developed. Never developed at this level. Got no separation. A lot of people had that concern. And you read the scouting reports. 
Rubik's got like 10 guys that had him as a second or a first round pick. Um, it, it's and, and you hear the same thing with Jalen Rager. I'm glad when people get individual um, um, outcomes right when they predict with drafts. I was I brag about Aaron Donald. I got that one right. I hit a home run. I also got Ryan Leaf wrong. <laughs> I got Ryan Leaf way wrong, as a lot of people did. Um, so I'm not talking about individuals. I'm glad you got it right. As a whole, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside was considered a, a premium-level prospect, and people do this revisionist history. They do the same thing with Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager was going to the Saints, bang, at 24. And people are, oh, the Eagles reached. No, they didn't reach. They got the evaluation wrong. The player didn't live up to, to the billing. But, yeah, I do I do have a problem with the reach aspect of it. And then people go to DK Metcalf. But, but, but they don't know. The Eagles had a red flag on him. The Eagles weren't going to consider him because of medical reasons to day three. The decision was between J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and Paris Campbell. Um they both haven't lived up to the billing. And Carlos both. and the Isabella, too. So th- they took them before DK. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people had DK um, uh, medical red flags. A lot of teams. All right, uh, Johnny Mack, with the fact that they're heading off to Cleveland for a couple of days of joint practices, what do you think that the coach is trying to achieve here? Is it any different than last year? You were there for all four practices last year, two against the Patriots, two on the road getting a bus and go up the turnpike so it wasn't get on a plane like they got to do twice over the next uh, week and change. Uh, but what is the main goal do you think Sirianni's trying to achieve with the team in these joint practices? Well, uh, you know, I think it's a little bit different from last year when it was about uh, more, more about evaluation for a rookie coach learning his new team. I think this time it's more about preparation and more about those high expectations and, you know, getting this team to a high level as possible for the regular season. Um, I think we all think they're a playoff contender. Um, How much higher can they go from that? Uh, But yeah, I mean, that's where the, the starters are going to get most of their reps for the week. Um, you know, a couple guys will will play in the game because they have to, but the deference players, as I like to call them, they will get even more deference. <laughs> I will think if 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 last year was any indication, um, they're going to put way more weight on the joint practices for the starters than than the actual preseason game. And the preseason game will be to figure out the bottom of the roster. Those last four or five spots, figuring out, you know, maybe you throw uh, Ugo out there as quickly as possible and, and see if he can swim a little bit or see if he can at least show the athleticism on, on uh, special teams and, as a gunner. Um by the way, you can also return punts. Rick Saratella told me that yesterday. He was a good punt returner in college. Uh, maybe that plays into it because the Eagles need a punt returner um, if they trade Jalen Rager, which is still a potential. Speaking of which, John, um, I know you mentioned on Sports Illustrated who you think the last three cuts are going to be today since they need to get down to 85. Uh, I'll leave the floor to you. Who's getting cut? 
Yeah, that's, uh, I, I, you know, I tried to figure it out through um, the guys who were um, pretty much non-existent in the preseason opener. That's a bad sign. If you're at the bottom of the roster and you get no reps in, in the in the preseason opener, that's a bad sign. There's, there's you know, for Carson Strong, who didn't play at all, though, might be a little different at quarterback because they could be doing that. All right, let's let Reed Sinet have one game. Let's have Carson Strong have the next. They might be thinking of it that way. But guys like Christian Ellis and, and Mario Goodrich, the corner, they didn't play at all. I can't I, – I, I, don't, I don't think they're saying, all right, let's have one week Josh Blackwell get some reps and then have Mario Goodrich the next. Maybe, but those are two guys that focused on who didn't play uh, much at all. Then you got to put the injuries into it, you know, like who's, who's, what positions are struggling. Sometimes you just need a body, but the 90 to 85 cut, you know, obviously those guys aren't close. So I don't think guys like Ellis and Goodrich are close to making this team. So they'd be candidates to go, but we'll see how they handle it. Yeah, I don't think there's any chance they're going to cut Carson Strong today because no, no, uh, he no. needs to play quarterback these next five days. He's going to get some yeah. time, maybe, maybe only a little on Sunday, but he's going to play a little in the uh, joint yeah, practice. I think he's going like, to play a lot. Jay, Jay, Jalen Hurts is not playing Sunday. You don't think there's any chance Jalen's playing Sunday, do you? I don't think so. I, I don't see why they changed the process from last year. Maybe he gets a little time in the last preseason game because that was the game, Jeff, and you're here. You're the better preseason, remember. That was that that was the game he got sick, right? So there yeah. was some some thought that he'd play a little bit in the last preseason game. And all of a sudden he got sick. So but but that first one, I I I don't think. I don't think he played at all. He played 10 snaps in the first game and that was it. So yeah, I don't, I don't think he's going to play. Yeah, and and Jerry, why ruin, by the way, right. Why, why ruin the perfect preseason? Why ruin it? That's true. We, he shouldn't uh, play at all. He, and, and that'll number. go down in the record books like the Ravens. That's uh, what I said to Jody yesterday. 158.3, a perfect preseason. Well, even if you're looking around the league, like, all the teams that joined practices last week, uh, Dallas, Denver, they didn't play anybody. Uh, and the one guy Denver played, he got hurt and is probably out for the season. They're starting middle linebacker. Um, Tampa Bay and Miami, no one played. Skyler Thompson played the whole game. For, so, uh, yeah, that's where I agree with you, John. I think we're going to see a lot of Carson Strong on Sunday. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God bless you guys, by the way. You, uh, do you think he'll be worse than Reed Sinet was this past week against the Jets? Yeah, well, hey, Reed Sinet did have a go-ahead drive there. And then the I mean, there is there is some real aspect to the thought of being a game player and not a practice player, but there are some guys who just show up for games. Um, I hope that's Carson because he don't show up for practice. He's been he's been terrible at practice. And it hasn't been close between him and Reed Sinet at practice. Well, right, even even though it's probably not going to be Jalen Hurts, he'll be Jalen in practice the next couple of days. So maybe I should ask that question about that rather than the Sunday game. How much does Jalen need to work the ball to Devonta Smith? John, you told us all uh, throughout the preseason that 
It's Jalen throws to A.J. Brown, and he throws somebody else. He throws to A.J. Brown, and he throws somebody else. And he throws A.J. Brown twice in a row, and then he works in a pass to somebody else. And it's not always Devonta Smith. that He hasn't gotten as much action. Before the Eagles traded for A.J. Brown, we were all of the belief that, well, Devontae's just going to take a step up and be a 1,100-yard guy instead of a 900-yard guy from year one to year two. Now, all of a sudden, I don't want to say he's become the forgotten man, but he's become the de-emphasized man. How is important do you think it is that uh, Jalen and Devontae get back to the level they were at last year, if not above and beyond it? Um, I, I I wrote about that uh, last week, I think. Um, I, I think that's more of a coaching problem than, than anything okay. else because um, – the Eagles' offense, I just kind of explained it in my opening rant, is simplified, right? Half, half, it's a college offense. Half field reads, um, a lot of RPOs. Um, and, and when you have that, you have primary receivers, right? And you go off the primary to the sort of high-low reads. You go off the primary, and then you go from there, maybe have a check down to a third progression. But so, you know, Normally, A.J. Brown or Dallas Goddard, and, and I, I always put that in there, Dallas Goddard has actually gotten more targets than A.J. Brown. Um, they're generally the primary receivers. Now, I think, at, 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 at not I think, I know, at some point, if you're Shane Steich and Nick Sirianni, you got to mix it up, right? As good as those two players are, if other teams – you're, you start getting to the regular season, and I know you're going to default A.J. Brown and, and Dallas Goddard all the time. They're going to make it very, very difficult. Um, so you got to make Devontae Smith the primary receiver, Quez Watkins the primary receiver, other guys the primary receiver on certain plays to break tendency busters, whatever you want to call it. But that, to me, is more on – the coaching staff and the play calling than it is on the quarterback. The quarterback is trying to do what he's told to do. Uh, and if he's told that AJ Brown is the primary receiver, AJ Brown typically is going to get open or Dallas Goddard, vice versa. He's going to throw the football to him. So to me, that's more of a coaching thing than a quarterback thing. And it seems like the Eagles are starting to realize that because they're getting more people involved. Devontae came back, finally came back and he got more involved. So maybe they're starting to figure that part of it out. But I do put that more on the coaching staff than I put it on Jalen. John, this is talked about amongst the masses nationally, about Jalen Hurts taking off on that third and five. And, you know, obviously we know the end result. He got hit by Quincy Williams. You know, agreed just as Robert Sala called it. But everybody said he shouldn't have taken off. But if you look deeper at the play, I, I still remember watching it live. I didn't see anybody open there. I actually thought it was the right decision by Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I didn't see anybody open. Um, and and I guess the thing with Jalen, especially in the preseason environment, and especially you, know, you saw what happened to Zach Wilson, you know, don't be a hero. Don't try to get other yards in the preseason, especially. But it's also hard to expect a competitive athlete to go, oh, just give up and – but when it counts, don't give up. You know, that kind of stuff is really, really hard. So I think people are nitpicking. Uh, no, I don't have a problem with it. I'm, You know, if you want, there's the one criticism of Jalen Hurts. He comes out of the pocket a little bit too quickly, which is fair. Um, 
you know, you'd prefer to climb the pocket a little bit, manipulate it, keep your eyes downfield. But he's also a phenomenal runner. So it it's also a catch-22. Do you want to take that out of his game? I don't want to take that out of his game. So it's a really difficult tightrope. He's a really unique player. I use that term all the time. Got to live with it. That's the type of player he is. Right. And I don't think you, you'd be handicapping yourself if you took the running ability away from Jalen Hurts' game. That's uh, just foolish. And I don't think the Eagles are going there. But as we did point out on yesterday's show, John, how many running plays in that opening drive that the Eagles scored on? Uh, zero. Yeah. yeah. Zero. Got one they're, called they're, back, but it was a scramble. It was they're, a scramble. They're looking to pass the ball this year. I, I, yeah. I think that that was a egregious. Oh, play. that was a hold. Come on, Jeff. I didn't think it was egregious. That was a hold. That was an egregious hold. That was egregious. I got I to watch that play again. Yeah, I'll probably end up agreeing with you. They got they got that one right. Seeing as seeing as they threw a twenty two yard touchdown pass to Dallas Goddard on the next play, play, it becomes pretty irrelevant. And and watch that play too, because AJ Brown took two defenders with him. So even the presence of of AJ Brown means a lot to the Eagles. Johnny Mac, uh, thank you very much for hopping on. Uh, Enjoy your long day at practice because they get shorter from here, uh, and we get you back here tomorrow morning. Thanks, bud. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. John McMullen heading over to Eagles practice today. So Jeff Curry's in his stead as the co-host of this show. Still got plenty of Eagles football to talk about. Hour number two, we get one of our favorite national guys, Mike Tanier for footballoutsiders.com. Going to hop aboard with us. We're just getting underway on a Tuesday travel edition. Ohio, here the Eagles come on Birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. 
so good it just disappears. Uh, Jeff Kerr and Jody McDonald. Here is your Birds 365 guys today as we move into uh, the joint practice part of the Eagles schedule. Um, Jeff Kerr, I don't know if you made it to uh, any of the joint practices the Eagles had last year. Two at home against the Patriots and then two up the turnpike against the Jets. Um, according to those who were there, including certainly John McMullen, um, the Eagles got the better of each and every single one of those practices. They don't keep score. They don't uh, put up a scoreboard to note how many touchdowns are scored because basically they make up the practice as they go along. Each of the teams get to dictate certain terms of what they want to work on against an opposition. Um, so there really is no chance to keep score, but you can have a general observation as to who got the better of the play. The Eagles... Again, according to Eagle Beat reporters, that's who the guys we have to go with, thought that they won all of them. I did talk to some Jet guys, so they confirmed that the Eagles got the better of the two practices against the Jets. I'm not sure if everyone from New England would agree about the outcome of the Patriots and the Eagles last year, but um, Nick Sirianni has put a lot of stock into this. He certainly talked about it, and uh, if you're there and you could judge how uh, – uh, much they took out of it, the amount of effort they put into it. He puts a lot of uh, belief in these practices. Uh, do you think the Eagles will show as well this year as they did last year? I think they're playing tougher teams uh, this year. But last year, when after both joint practices, especially the Patriots won, I came out of it thinking, okay, this team might be a little better than I even thought. And I had them at eight wins. So, and they ended up winning nine. And, you know, as you said, Jody, before, they, they were really nine and seven, not nine and eight. But we'll see how they do against a Cleveland, a Miami. Uh, Cleveland is talked about being this really talented team. We all know who their quarterback's going to be yet, but they're still a talented roster and they have a really good defense. So I'm curious about that one. Miami, they do have a good defense and they have a new look offense. And we'll see. Uh, I, I, honestly, the Miami one is the one I'm looking forward to more than the Cleveland one, just because I want to see how they stack up against uh, what they're calling a potential contender in the AFC. So we'll see, but it, I think the Eagles will get a good test these next two weeks. And uh, it, it's ridiculous that, uh, and this is as of right now, and and you're a national guy, so uh, I do want to get your specific take on, take on this. As of right now, as we sit here and we're 48 hours away, actually more than that, because they're going to practice in the afternoon. I think they're not going to start it till one or two o'clock in the afternoon. Excuse you, the Cleveland practices. Thursday and Friday, the Cleveland practices. Yeah. Um, so I guess something can happen over the next 50 some odd hours. As of now, Deshaun Watson's going to be eligible to practice for the Browns. And uh, it's 
At one point, I actually felt, I started to feel, I should say, I never actually raised to the level of feeling sympathetic for the Browns because when the Browns traded for Deshaun Watson and gave Deshaun Watson a $230 million guaranteed extension, they did so with their eyes wide open. So they knew it was going to come. But I think the one thing they didn't know was the pace that the decision on what Deshaun Watson's status was going to be. And it has just been a snail plus when they pass it off to Judge Sue Robinson and she had her three-day hearing. She waited 30 days to come out with her uh, decision that Deshaun Watson should be suspended for six games. Despite the fact that she called it egregious and predatory, she still only hit him with six games. So, of course, Roger Goodell um, jumps in and appeals for the NFL but then he passes it along to a uh, designee, uh, the former attorney general of New Jersey. And he did so 13 days ago, Jeff Kirk, 13 days. There's no new testimony. There's no secondary hearing. All they did was send the file over to him of Judge Robinson's findings. And we're now 13 days later. And we still don't know what the suspension is going to be for Deshaun Watson it's annoying me. It's got to be killing the Browns fans. When are we going to get a decision here? Who's? I want to be mad at somebody. Somebody is slowing down this process. Uh, they did say this was going to become expedited when they appealed it and passed it along to uh, the former New Jersey uh, State Attorney General. Do I not understand the use of the word expedited? It is almost two uh, weeks expedited in anything? Here's what I want to know. Same thing you do. When? Are they going to announce this right before the regular season starts? It stays it's starting to look that way, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, I feel like the it, maybe they're doing this on purpose because of the Browns' inability to read the room uh, between their players, their organization. Like Andrew Barry, to me, comes off as a creep now just because of the stuff he's – he said about it. Well, you know, he checked out on all this. Well, no, he didn't check out. You, you guys obviously didn't look at anything. And, you know, we know Jimmy Haslam's shady pass. So, and then you got Joel Batonio saying it's Cleveland against the world. I'm like, guys, just keep quiet on this. Like, you're not helping yourselves. Like, I just feel like the organization itself is just so dense to what's going on. And they don't even seem to care at this point. It's, in a way, I'm kind of glad that it's, they're dragging it out as much as they, as much as they are. Because I would love to see a Friday right before the season. <laughs> Guess what? You're gone, buddy. Uh, you got to play Jacoby Brissett the whole year because you didn't trade for anybody. And you know, for some reason, you think Jacoby Brissett's going to be your answer. I don't know, but it, 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 I actually have been laughing through the entire situation because we keep waiting at CBS for a decision, and <laughs> it hasn't happened. And I, I, I don't know. It's I, I'll tell you what, Jody. We were talking about this before the show. We can be mad at the NFL. We can be mad at the NFLPA at every right. But we can be mad at Judge Robinson. I'm going to take my anger out on the Cleveland Browns because they're the ones who created this mess in the first place. Yeah, my number one anger is at Deshaun Watson because of you. Oh, well, I, I, I'm excluding him and his. Right. Uh, I, I, his I, I, knew, I knew you meant that, but I just yeah. had to add it to it because, yeah, yeah it, if he didn't do what he did, we wouldn't be talking about this at all. It did all start with him. Uh, but Cleveland, yes, exacerbated it by giving them the contract that they did. Um, at first, I was mad at uh, the Judge Sue Robinson, but uh, if the reporting was accurate, that she tried to 
hold up her decision because she actually believed, or maybe it was just hoped, that there could be a settlement between the two parties, that she would have preferred not to air the dirty laundry, that she eventually had to air that it was both predatory and egregious behavior. She didn't really want to do that. She was hoping that the two parties could come to an agreement on what the punishment should be. Then she would never even have to release it. So I get it. She waited a month. I think at some point you got to throw up your hands and tell the guy, listen, you're on the clock. Yeah, my, my decision's ready to go here. So if you really want to work this out, take the next two days. Other than that, I'm going to come out with the decision. Um, so I, I, I do fault her a little bit, but at least I understand the uh, slowness with which he acted. This one, I really don't get. There's no new hearing. All they're doing is giving Sue Robinson's findings to, I got to get this guy's uh, name right, Judge Harvey, Peter C. Harvey, uh, to come up with what he interprets the punishment should be. How long can it possibly take? How long does it take to review a file? Why are we now sneaking up on two weeks that this hasn't come to a de decision? Is he being influenced by the NFL? I know he's done projects and worked with the NFL before, and that's why Roger Goodell handpicked him. But is Goodell somehow playing puppet master and pulling strings behind the scenes that we're not seeing here? Oh, yeah. Stuff that we're never going to figure out, Jody. Yeah, I think that's honestly part of the reason why it's dragging out. I, I just think that's the NFL's process, you know. But they couldn't wait to, to drop a bombshell on Calvin Ridley getting suspended the year for gambling. So I, it's I'm still not over that, by the way. You, you, you spend 15 or whatever how much he spent. The guy gets dropped a year, Deshaun Watson, doing all the stuff he did. I don't even want to mention it on here. And six games? Come on. It's I, I, I'm so tired of the NFL and their inconsistencies. It's beyond ridiculous. Johnny Mac uh, always likes to bring this up. And he's right when he does. Um, if you try and compare the Ridley thing to the Deshaun Watson thing, you you're right. It's one is as judge Sue Robinson described it egregious. The other one, is it near as egregious? But if you're talking about comp and the two punishments, the punishment is written in stone for gambling. Yeah. And, there, and there's also, not a interpretation. There doesn't have to be a hearing. There doesn't have to be a designated third party to no. it's in stone. If you get caught, the penalty is one year. That was negotiated ahead of time between the league and the union. So there's no wiggle room whatsoever. In the personal conduct, there's wiggle room. So that's why and, you, and you can't really compare them. We have to mention this too. Calvin Ridley damaged the shield. So well, I, I'd uh, say that Deshaun Watson has damaged the shield. Well, he's damaged the shield too, but I don't think they, they care about that as much as the other thing, which again, that, that that's another story entirely. See, and if you're right, Jeff, and this is going to make me come off, and, and you know, I uh, uh, do commercials for a uh, uh, website, uh, uh, an app that uh, allows you to gamble bet parks. Uh, so uh, I'll apologize if it looks like I'm just being a uh, company guy, but I truly believe this. Which is worse? A guy who is found to act egregiously and predatorially toward a massage therapist or a guy who put down a couple of parlays. I know the I could look to throw the game, the integrity of the game. Oh, I think what Deshaun Watson did is significantly worse than oh, what Calvin by Ridley far, did. By far. It's, uh, yeah, I still love to know what Calvin Ridley parlayed on. Wasn't he injured when he did it, too? Like, yeah. I, don't even, I don't even think he was playing, but... 
Right. But if you're betting now and you're not playing, who's to say you're not going to bet yeah, when you I, are playing? There's yeah, slippery when, slope. Whole when, argument. When he got suspended, I think the first thing that came out of my mouth was idiot. You know, like. Yeah, just not the, the brightest guy handling his business the way yeah. he did. All right, uh, I got to bring another Philly beat writer, Eagles beat writer into the mix. Our buddy Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. Yeah, we put the uh, request in this week. He's busy with all of the traveling and everything else. So we're going to get Jimmy on before the uh, year actually gets underway. Just couldn't uh, make it work this week. But he played Junior Howie Roseman in Philly Voice. Uh, I think it posted yeah. yesterday. Did you see the three trades he suggested the Eagles look into yesterday, Jeff? Wasn't Curry? one Kareem Hunt? Didn't he put it yes. in? Yes. Yes. I'll, I'll run them down for it. And we love Jimmy. I'm going to poke a little fun at him here, but it uh, doesn't mean that I love him any less or think he's any less of a very good Eagle beat reporter. But Howie Roseman, it's not going to be. Actually, if he could make this happen, if Howie Roseman could make this happen, we might build a statue to Howie Roseman. Uh, three trades that absolutely have zero chance of happening. Um, Eagles trade Andre Dillard to the Bears for Robert Quinn, defensive edge guy. The Eagles actually upped their ability to get to the quarterback on the defensive edge by uh, getting Hassan Reddick. Uh, Quinn makes good money, signed for two more years, which is nice. And he's already bought, uh, paid off his uh, signing bonus. So if something went awry, he got hurt, whatever, you could move off the two more years after this year that are still at reasonable numbers for Robert Quinn. He got 18 and a half sacks last year. 18 and a half. Pretty good. Eagles didn't year. have anyone sniff double digits. But you think you can get a guy who's coming off an 18 and a half sack season for Andre Dillard? Really? Have Jimmy, you the you put that in print and uh, let it uh, be out there for everyone to see. I, I know seen, Chicago's not the best the organization. Situation? I can't they even got, name their left tackle. They, they they, I'll tell you what, the Bears stink. They are going to be bad this year. Like, Hit, like really bad, and they're in a bad division as it is. Um, but I mean, Robert Quinn. I guess he wants to stay back in Chicago. He flip flops all the time, and he was like, "Yeah, I, I want to be traded. I don't want to be here." And now he's like, eh, "Whatever, I'm getting paid." But he is in his early thirties, and I'm sure he doesn't want to be part of a rebuilding team. That's why Roquan Smith wants out of there. But boy, the Bears are going to be bad. They are. All right, but if you if you're the Bears, the new general manager Ryan Pauls. If you're going to trade Robert Quinn, you're, they already have shown that this year wins and losses aren't going to be the priority. Building the foundation, new co new coach, new general manager, they're not under pressure or they don't feel they're under pressure to try and make the playoffs. Aren't you going to try and get better than a backup left tackle if you're trading Robert Quinn at this time? Well, he is a starting left tackle in this league. I, no, he's not. Jeff, he's not. If you want to say, I think he's one of the 32 best tackles, uh, okay, Who's that's your evaluation. I'm not sure that that's the case. I uh, think he is. Uh, I, okay. I think he's a fine player. I think he starts for at least 10 teams in this league. It's just he's got an alpha left tackle ahead of him. Not his fault. Yeah. I, how many games did he started in his career? He can't play right tackle. We all know that. Wait, wait, wait. That's one thing we do know. He can't play right tackle. I don't know if Andre Dillard's one of the 32 top tackles. He might be. Um, uh, we could uh, check our pro football focus numbers and see if he does crack the top 32. 
Um, he's uh, he's a he's a competent player. And now, by the way, he's got one year to go on a contract. Then you got to make a decision on do you want to pay him or not. But, um, but, but I, I think Andre right? Dillard's value is being woefully overrated here in Philadelphia. But, but I, I will say this, Jody. If I'm the Bears, I do agree with you. Well, he's a backup in Philly. Why would we trade for that? Uh, how about the second Why round? would we yeah. give up a guy who got 18 and a half sacks? I'm all for trading for Andre Dillard if I'm the Bears. I'm giving up a guy who got 18 and a half sacks. To get a guy who can't start for the Eagles? That's a trade that just does It didn't make any sense. When I read it, I said, if they can do it, more power to them, Jimmy. But I think that's got no chance. Well, I don't happen. like the right hypothetical trades. I, I don't want I, to feel the wrath of Jody Rack the, Jody Rack the next day. All right. And uh, the next one was straight up Jalen Rager for Kareem Hunt. No. Now, the Browns don't necessarily need Kareem Hunt. He's not happy about the way he's going to be used in Chicago this year. So there's a little pressure to trade him. Uh, I get the fact that he's a guy who may very well be on the move. And do you not believe Kareem Hunt can't bring a player better than Jalen Rager back in return? If you're the Cleveland Browns, they'll be out there this week. They'll get their firsthand look at Jalen Rager and maybe he just goes nuts and is the best receiver on the field better than A.J. Brown. Yeah, okay, that's going to happen. Um, again, very lopsided trade on value for me. Coming back the Eagles' way, if you're talking about Kareem Hunt for Jalen Rager, has no chance of happening, does it, Jeff? No. First off, on the Browns, I don't even trade Kareem Hunt. I would tell him, look, this is the last year of your contract. You are our feature back if Nick Chubb does get hurt. And Nick Chubb has been banged up before. Like, they need Kareem Hunt to con to contend this year, especially with their quarterback situation being what it is. And, and plus, if I was Andrew Barry or someone in there, I would kind of tell Kareem Hunt, hey, hold on a second. When the Chiefs had to get rid of you, we took you. We, we took you. With your baggage, we took you. We paid you. And this is what you want now? Like, he's going to be afraid. He's going to get paid this offseason. Someone's going to pay him. He's only 20. I think he's 26, 27. I, I forget how old Kareem Hunt actually is now, but they need Kareem Hunt this year. They they need him. I, I wouldn't train for anything. I especially wouldn't train for Jalen Rager. I, I'm not even sure who wants Jalen Rager at this point. I don't think you ever give up a guy who can uh, it, it, be a serious contributor, if not the lead guy. Uh, you get you just for this upcoming year, if you give me both uh, Miles Sanders and Kareem Hunt. Uh, who do I think is going to earn the more carries? It might very well be Kareem Hunt. So. And that's what I was going to ask you. Like, if Kareem Hunt would come to Philadelphia, there's a really good chance he's number one back. That's why, again, I love the fact that Jimmy put this trade out there because it certainly is beneficial to the Eagles if it were to happen. And my favorite one is his last one. And the only problem with it is he's got Andre Dillard going somewhere else. So all three of these trades can't happen. Only two out of three because Dillard is involved in two out of them. Trade Dillard to the Colts for the draft pick that the Colts got from the Redskins in the Carson Wentz deal. The third round pick that can conditionally move up to two. So we once again get to watch Carson Wentz and how many snaps he takes and have a pick potentially get better because of it. I love the intricacies of the deal. 
no chance, no shot. You're not getting a second round pick for Andre Dillard. No matter how much you try, no matter how much Jeff Kerr says he's a starting left tackle in this league, you're not getting a potential second round pick. You know who the Colts starting left tackle is right now? Is Matt Pryor, who, uh, (laughs) uh, yes, and uh, another different ex Eagle. So, um, apparently, he didn't have a great game, uh, in their first exhibition game. Uh, I, I, I would put those two players as comparable, Matt Pryor and Andre Dillard. So it tells you what I think of Dillard, uh, that I don't know that he's necessarily better than Matt Pryor. Maybe the, the Colts feel that way. Maybe they've gotten a little less, uh, behind, uh, Matt Pryor, but you, the, the, the value that you're giving up a third round pick that can become a second round pick. You shouldn't have to give up near that much. to get your hands on Andre Dillard, this man's opinion. Honestly, if I'm the opposing GM, and look, I, I think Andre Dillard's better than what people get, but I'm only offering a fifth for him at, at, because I, I just don't think it's – look, it's just what you said. If you're looking at the other team's front office here, well, he's a backup. Why would we trade any more for a backup? And I know start, good starting tackles in this league are scarce, but I'm not giving up higher than a fourth or a fifth for this guy. Like, Ford was probably the highest I go. Definitely not giving up a day two pick for him. Uh, I love the fact that Jimmy uh, played. Hey, I do it. I've been doing it for 30 stupid years in sports talk radio. That's what we do. And I field calls from uh, Joe, John Q. Public, who's sitting at home, who want to do the job of Howie Roseman and uh, Daryl Morey and Dave Dombrowski and everybody else. Uh, everyone wants to be an assistant general manager or uh, uh, Monday morning quarterback from their couch. It's fun. And uh, yeah, everyone's Daryl Morey for 15 years. I, I just got to say this. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he pulls off the stuff he does. He's really good at his job. That's all I got to say about Daryl Morey. Uh, we'll see if he's got a uh, Kevin Durant ace up his sleeve because that's the next thing that uh, Philadelphia fans want to be able to uh, Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I know this is an Eagle show, but, man, I'm on the fence on that one. It's, All right. it's, uh, he yeah. is uh, Jeff Kerr. I am Jody McDonald. You're listening to Birds 365. Johnny Mack was on earlier. If you didn't catch him, you want to go back, catch the rear. After we wrap up here today, it'll be available to you on the Jacob uh, Media YouTube channel. We do have a good guest scheduled for hour number two. That's our bud, Mike Tanier from footballoutsiders.com. We'll come back, uh, talk some more birds and get set for Mike Tanier here on Birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. of life. 
First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You've got Jeff Kerr and Jody McMahon here with you on Bird 365 today. Johnny Mac had to run out early. He's off to Eagles practice, which we noted, uh, Jeff and myself did, that this is the last full practice that John McMullen will be able to, uh, and anybody else for that matter, will be able to attend uh, after the uh, two travels over the next couple of weeks to Cleveland to do joint practices and then play an exhibition game against the Browns. And then next week, uh, trip down to South Beach and a couple of joint practices with the Dolphins before they play Miami in a preseason game. The complete access to Eagles practice ceases for the media here in town. Uh, they get to go in for somewhere between 10, 15, maximum 20 minutes and be able to watch a little bit of practice. And then they, they're issue, uh, ushered back out, which John railed against when we had him on here. And I don't blame him a little bit because there is this secrecy slash paranoia kind of dressed up as competitive advantage for teams to not have the media in there to uh uh, note what type of plays and formations they're running and the like. It is. It's just stone cold paranoia. But uh, even if we get on the Eagles case, that's the way it is around the National Football League. This isn't the Eagles who kick out the media for their practice. No, these are standard operating procedures around the NFL. Uh, wh- why do you think that's happened the way that it's happened, uh, 
Jeff Card, that the NFL they're they're in so in some ways so good at promoting their product and putting out information is it that they want to have complete control of it with the fact that teams have their own websites and get a lot of hits for NFL I, fans. I think it's more of the teams, honestly, than the league. I, I don't know what the league has that much of a say in it. You know, we noticed this maybe a decade ago. Well, it hit here a decade ago when Philadelphia decided to move training camp from Lehigh to the Novacare complex. And they were one of the last teams to do it. And, but I remember it was, it was 15 years ago. I think there were only four or five teams that actually had training camp at their home base. And then all of a sudden, everything started to get secreted. Where I think Spygate had a lot to do with it, personally. I, I think the whole Patriots thing, when that came out, I think teams said, well, hold on a second. What have they been videotaping? What have they been doing here? Are they ahead of the curve? Did they find a way to get ahead of the curve and we it just kind of swept under our noses and I think that's when teams really got secretive and I got into an argument with this over a fan on Facebook the other day I know that that's a mistake in and of itself but I heard someone say why do we even need beat reporters there we have team reporters and I said yeah but team reporters give you the puff pieces well the, the puff pieces are better than anything you would give out and I said well no that's just not true because they'll tell you how great x player is and y player is and we're telling you why player isn't good. And, you know, we're actually given a, a balanced perspective here. And, like, I know plenty of team reporters. And, look, it's they're good people. They, they are. They, they do the job that they're, they're required to do. But, heaven forbid, you rip them. You know, it, I mean, McMullen has said it. Like, oh, you know, that's too much detail. Well, yeah, you can say that to your team reporter. You can't say that to me. Um, you know, I'm just trying to give you – a fair and accurate opinion here, but I, I really do think Spygate had a lot to do with the whole. Mm-hmm. Let's take everything to our home base and make sure that this does not happen to us, which it might happen to the Eagles for all we know. You know, I hadn't even thought about that. That's a great point by you. Did uh, Belichick and the Patriots get the whole paranoia league level way up here? Uh, you might be very right about that. All right, uh, Jeff, I'm glad you're on today because I know you and I have uh, done this before, either here on Bird Street 65 or on my CBS show, wherever else. You're a big fan and a uh, guaranteed watcher of Hard Knocks. And we had episode one last week of the Detroit Lion Camp. Episode two breaks tonight. Um, yes, it's very familiar, similar to what we've seen in different years. Uh, same type of quote-unquote plot line, since we are talking about a TV show, right? But just change of characters, and that makes it different well, because... Except for Jared Goff. This is his third time on Hard Knocks, <laughs> What's that? This is Jared Goff's third time on Hard Knocks. Can you believe uh, that? Really? Yeah. I didn't know 16, that. Why? 16, 20, and this year. It just happened that way? Yeah, it just happened that Because they did the Rams twice, and he just happened to be the quarterback, and the Lions, and he just happens to be the quarterback. That is a little weird. I did not know that that was the case. All right. Um, give me your Cisco and Ebert review of episode one of Hard Knocks. You could have just given me an hour of Dan Campbell and Deuce Staley, and I would have been ready to run through a brick wall because it, that was awesome. And I, I actually was joking with a um, couple HBO people about this. I'm like, you know what you guys needed to do? You need to show Deuce Staley just run over Aaron Glenn in 2002 when the Eagles played the Texans to spice up. They're like, oh, yeah, we should have found it. Like if they could have 
they could have matched. I'm like, I know they matched up at, at some point in their careers, you know, because they played at the same time. But man, that would have been so. I, I love the whole Deuce Staley, Aaron Glenn. I, I love the whole Dan Campbell. Oh, so you hold on, hold on, hold on. You were just speculating. You didn't actually remember a play where Deuce Staley ran over Aaron Glenn. He did hit him in the Texans when they played the Texans in 2000. You do remember that play? I, I, I remember a lot. I watch a lot of old football games. Jimmy. I guess you do. I would have no clue. I completely – I think of Aaron Glenn as a former Jet, not a former Texan. Yeah, yeah. I had forgotten that he was a member of the Texans. I didn't remember it until you just mentioned it. Yeah, they had some pretty good back and forth, those two, in the first episode of Hard Knocks. Oh, it, it was awesome. And, you know, it, it, it's funny, like, because I always I, – I agree with you, Dre. I always think of Aaron Glenn as a former Jet, too. And, you know, but, yeah, it, it, it's funny to see, like, these guys that I grew up watching and idolizing, Mark Brunel, Hank Fraley, um, Aaron Glenn, Deuce Staley, and they're all coaches on the same coach. Oh, Dan Campbell's another one. And I'm just like – I had to look it up because – I, I don't know if I said to you or not, but I when the Lions hired Dan Campbell, and I'm like, wait a minute, didn't he eat dirt with Jeremy Shockey once? And I remember Jeremy Shockey used to eat dirt to prove how tough he was. I think Dan Campbell did it with him so he wasn't alone, and they were both tight ends on the same team. And I I never got the confirmation if it was, um, you know, if it was Dan Campbell or not, but it's still funny. And, you know, and – the, the whole, if you have one buck cheek or three toes, I'm still going to kick your you-know-what. And I, I thought that was great. I'm like, I'm like sign me up for the Lions. I just want to play for him now. I just want to play for that. I mean, he's crazy. If you're doing up-downs with your team and you're in your 40s, you better not be beaten by him because I, I would not want to feel the wrath of Dan Gale. It was an entertaining first episode. I will surely agree with you there. Uh, Campbell is good. Duke, uh, Deuce was good. Uh, Aaron Glenn came off as a guy who was getting pushed around a little bit by his, his fellow coach. Um, but apparently I mean, that defense, players... they get pushed around a lot last year, Jody. I mean, this shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, you got a point there. Um, but, and, and I know that I have to specifically not get caught up in it because I'm like you, I'm a fan, maybe not as big a fan of hard knocks as Jeff Kerr, but I consider myself a pretty big fan you have to be able to put it aside and just evaluate the lions because before they ever started hired Knox, we all knew the Eagles were opening up in Detroit first game of the season. We know that the lions only won three games last year. We know that the Eagles went to Detroit and hung a 40 spot on them last year. And yeah, the lions will be better. Aiden Hutchinson played uh, well in the first game. And I think he's going to be a really nice player for them for years, but they had another first round draft pick Williams. Who's not going to play First game of the season, just not going to be ready, physically capable of going. I think Lions are going to stink again this year, Jeff. And I think the Eagles are going to handle them easily in the first game of the season, which is our main concern here on Birds 365. But then when the Lions play their next 16 games, I don't think they're going to be all that much better than they were last year. I think six is a maximum number of wins they can get. Do you have to, do you find yourself going, all right, I got to re remove myself from the fact that I love Dan Campbell, that this guy is a guy I would love to have played for in my day and just say, all right, let me evaluate the talent on this team. I love and a lot really of people on this offense, Jody. I'm just going to say that. Not sure about the quarterback, but I'm telling you, Amon Ross St. Brown is a stud. He is an absolute stud. And you're going to put him in Jameson Williams now. I think DJ Chark's in for, for a really good year. TJ Hawkinson's good. That offensive line is criminally underrated. 
Uh, they're all 28 or under. The uh, Nasul is really filling in nicely at, at right tackle. Uh, Taylor Decker's there. He's underrated. He's one of the other. Uh, Frank Ragnall, he was one of the best centers in football before he got hurt last year. It's They got Big V, too. So I, I like that. All, but their defense, it's Aiden Hutchinson's a nice start, but Tracy Walker's a solid player, but they need a lot there. So I, I think the Eagles are going to score a ton of points on them just because of the defense. But the Lions are a team, let's put it this way, I, I'm not going to sleep on I, If you sleep on them, you, I, that's the team. Oh, I'm just, sleeping on them. I, I, I can get a nap in right now because Eagles are going to beat them by a minimum of two touchdowns opening week. Well, I'm going to say this. The Lions are going to win two against the Bears. They'll split against the Vikings. That's three. And they got a last place schedule. I think six, seven wins is, is a really good jump for them compared to last year. Mm, I, that maybe they find a way to win six. I would definitely take the under on seven. And do me a favor. Give me the numbers on uh, St. Brown that you think he's going to be able to achieve this year. Uh, you talked him up pretty good there just a second ago. What Touchdowns, uh, number of yards. How, what's he putting up as far as numbers go for the fantasy players out there? Uh, if you're a PPR league, you better pick up the Monra St. Brown because I got him in all my dynasty leagues. I'm telling you, he has eight straight, he has five straight games of eight plus catches. He won me a title in a couple of weeks last year. I'm just just saying from the fantasy perspective, I'm telling you, the guy catches everything. He doesn't, and again, I think it's the way the offense was run, but there's not a lot of yards after the catch, but I think that's more Jared Goff than him. But I, I'm just telling you, it's, Guy's a catching machine. If you throw the ball his way, he's going to catch it. And I, he's their go-to guy. I, I mean, it's I don't know how he fell in the fourth round. I, I really don't. I, I had him as a second-round grade. All right. Um, how? When? When was he a uh, a major uh, guy for you last year? Because of the ninety catches, is uh, that the reason why? Because uh, he did. Once they got rid of Anthony Lynn, his stock just went up. They started throwing the ball to him more. I don't know if it was the rookie wall was gone, but the last seven games, he just went off. Like, okay. he, he was the guy. And they didn't have any. It, it's also kind of when they got Josh Reynolds, too, I think that freed him up because he was the guy before Josh Reynolds, but he really became the guy once they got like a veteran receiver in there that actually could do something. And now they got Chark there. Jameson Williams will eventually come back at some point. I'm just saying, though, St. Brown, the slot's dangerous. Yeah, I would say he put up some of the numbers that he did last year because they had no one else. He's a viable NFL receiver. He's not a great NFL receiver. He's not a star NFL receiver, but he's a viable NFL receiver. And they might have had no other viable NFL receivers. And Chark, and when they get Williams in, uh, he'll certainly be a viable. He's got the potential to become a star receiver. Need to see it happen, but he certainly James got that Williams potential. was my top receiver in the draft this year, by the way. You I, had him number one? I loved Jameson Williams. If the Eagles would have got Jameson Williams this year and didn't make the A.J. Brown trade, I would have been okay with it. But I'm glad they, they did what they did. <laughs> And, oh, by the way, uh, now people forget that. We we talked about all those wide receivers, Garrett Wilson and Lave and Jameson Williams, as potential guys for the Eagles to draft because at one point they had not one, not two, three first-round draft picks before Harry Roseman started doing the moves that he did, which included the trade for uh, Mr. Brown. But, uh, I, by the way, Jody, I, I, 
hyped up the Jets going into the preseason game with their picks in the first two rounds. Outside the quarterback, which we don't know yet because he's always hurt, they hit on a lot of these picks. I love Garrett Wilson. I love Sauce Gardner, Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore. They're hitting on those picks. But you know who didn't do much the other night? And I know because I watch the game. Uh, Jeremiah Johnson, the uh, guy yeah. they traded back up for, that was another player that we talked another about extensively hear. here with the Eagles. Could this be the edge rusher they're going to get? Before they went out and signed Hassan Reddick, uh, we were looking at Ed Rushers as soon as the Eagles season. Who can they add? And that was a guy that uh, we had in the mix who ended up uh, going with the Jets. Now, I'm not writing him off because he made no splash plays in his first game. And I've got Jet buddies who cover the team and like. And they say he's looked good in camp. Not dominant, not eye-opening, but uh, certainly an upgrade for the Jets. Yeah, they had a good draft last year. John Douglas had a good draft. Don't know what it's going to equate to as far as wins and losses for the Jets over the course of the season. Because, yes, they do have quarterback questions, but uh, the, the GM has done a good job at upgrading the talent on that team. All right, we're going to get a timeout in here. And then Mike Tanier from Football Outsiders is going to jump aboard on Birds 365 with Jeff Kerr and me, Jody McDonald. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears.
along with Jeff Kerr. Ready to be McConnell here on Earth 365. Tony Mack was on with us earlier and then had to ski down all over to practice. Last full practice, he's going to be able to get in here uh, covering the Eagles this year because they go into protective mode thereafter and only allow the media in for shorter segments of time. Um, but I'm sure Johnny Mack will be our eyes and ears for the Eagles all year long here on Birds 365. Hoping to get uh, Mike Tanier from Pro Football Outsiders uh, up here in uh, just a couple of uh, minutes. Uh, he should be up in any second now. Uh, and uh, there are a bunch of things that we want to be able to get in with Mike after one full week of preseason and there he is. He's good enough to join us here, our pal, one of the best beards in the business, Mike Tanier from FootballOutsider.com. Uh, how did you enjoy your first week of full preseason action, Mr. Tanier? I nearly lost my mind. I, I, I tried to watch as many games as possible in real time. I want to get that immediate reaction, go back and look at it. it but it's difficult because there's a lot of bad football. And there's a lot of folks on Twitter screaming about the bad football. I, based on what I, I saw, like there were some impressive things. Based on what I read on Twitter, apparently there are six franchise quarterbacks, 37 all-pro wide receivers, and 100 future Hall of Fame defenders in this draft class alone based on the one highlight each of them produced. I can guarantee you that Dallas-Denver game, there were no future Hall of Famers. Oh, today. that was rough. That was the <laughs> roughest of the rough games this this week by far. Yeah, and of course, who who had to write about for CBS? Yours truly. I'm like, this is what, what am I doing? It's 12:30 on Saturday night. I, I need to get a life or something. Uh, I looked at who was in the game as starters, and I forget what else was. Something else was playing, like Sam Darnold or someone was playing at the same time. Like, click click over to that game. I'm not watching this game. Wasn't that the Kenny Pickett um, comeback? Yeah, I think wasn't that on. Yes, it was. I watched the Kenny Pickett comeback. And again, at least I'm watching a first-round pick go out there and complete some passes. And Drew Locke was quarterbacking for the Broncos. And he's apparently in a quarterback competition in the year 2022 with Gino Smith. Oh, my God. But I got to watch that instead of the Ben DiNucci experience. Yeah, as, as sick as I am, the Pittsburgh-Seattle game looked like a matchup of teams that can't decide do they really even want to decide who their quarterback's going to be? They all played pretty good. Yeah. Trubisky wasn't terrible. Mason Rudolph was all right. And Kenny Pickett pulled the game out at the end. And oh, by the way, Geno Smith was all right. And Drew Locke wasn't terrible until he fumbled at the end, which allowed Pittsburgh to steal the game. But yeah. I thought that that was a game you can't watch because you don't want to watch any of the quarterbacks. I did watch it. And I thought the quarterbacks were okay on both of the two teams. Much to my surprise, my tenure. Yeah, and, and I call that preseason porn because when both teams have a quarterback controversy and there's a rookie, like no matter how late the game goes, somebody's in the game, you'll probably be watching in October or November. And again, neither team could really tackle because all the backups were out there. Nobody could cover. So all the, I mean, the quarterbacks did look fine for themselves, but you don't really learn a lot about that. You can't come out of that saying, well, you know, Mitch Trubisky is going to, is going to lead the Steelers to the playoffs. What you can say is at least we looked at these guys and are starting to get a sense of how they could possibly perform in 2022. I'll tell you what, Mike, I'm the jerk with the Seahawks quarterback competition. First off, I laugh at it. And yeah. second, second of all, I'm like, just go with Geno Smith. I saw what he did on something like football against the Steelers last year. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. Just go with the guy who wasn't terrible. I, I know what Drew Locke is. I, I don't I go the other direction. Drew yeah, Locke. So maybe, do I. 
one percent of upside. Drew Lock might have one percent of upside going around in there. Geno Smith is on the way down this sort of Gardner Minshew mountain of being a guy who's going to sort of run around, sort of still scrambling, kind of okay, and then do, deliver three yard passes. I don't necessarily see it, but I go back to remember many years ago when Washington had Rex Grossman versus John Beck. Oh, John Beck. Ooh, there's a name I haven't heard in a while. He was like a 28-year-old second-year quarterback. Like, he had like, he gone on a terrible. Tour. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, like, Mike Shanahan was the coach, and, like, the Washington media was like, how can you question that Mike Shanahan is going to take these guys in his system and groom one of them into being a starter? And I, like, it was, like, had my, you know, hands in my ears. Well, the next year they drafted both RG3 and Kirk Cousins because that's what Washington does. That's what Seattle's going to have to do in 2020. Yeah, you're giving me Rodney P. Ty Detmer flashbacks here, Mike. I'm, I'm not happy about it. <laughs> Rodney T. Pete Ty Detmer and Bobby Hoying. Oh, yeah. No. Bobby Hoying was good for like three games, and then they figured him out. Let's just and put it that. Some, some Eagle fans were ready to erect a statue of him down at the uh, link. That's because the Bengals game. That was three games that he had. All right, Mike, I, I do want to ask you this question, and thanks for coming on, and uh, John asked you to come on. And it plays into something I've been discussing elsewhere, but I know uh, you're a guy with strong Hall of Fame opinions. Yes. I said on my CBS Sports Radio show this weekend that I think, and I don't know this is the case, and I'm gonna, we're going to have to wait 20 years to find out, but Fernando Tatis Jr. Oh. may have compromised his Hall of Fame status with taking drugs as a 23-year-old. He's probably going to play 15 more years of baseball and then wait five years before he's eligible for the Hall of Fame and then we'll find out how the voters are going to hold it against him. But the track record is you get caught, you get suspended, you don't get into the Hall of Fame. And someone asked me, a caller asked me the question, how does the NFL handle that? <laughs> um, do they go nearly as harshly as the baseball writers for guys who have taken performance-enhancing drugs? It seems less. I don't know that they've had many guys to even debate in the room since the NFL cracked down and put uh, suspensions in for PED users as well. How does the NFL handle the hall of fame when it comes to guys who are drug cheats? Nothing at all like baseball. And it's not just the performance enhancing, but any off the field stuff, you know, as a rule, a pro football hall of fame voter is not supposed to look at any off field uh, infractions. So, you know, whatever you say about Ray Lewis and Marvin Harrison and, guys like that that's off the table now peds are a little bit different because it does affect the team but like the general attitude is you get your suspension you come back from your suspension and then that's it that's your six game gap or even that's your one year gap if that impacted your hall of fame resume because you didn't play enough to be a great player or you missed these prime seasons then you're probably on the outside but it's not like you go in there and it's like you have lawrence taylor's uh, a resume or something and then and people are like well they had a six game Head suspension. It's not like that at all. I, I personally think baseball's around the bend with that. I actually don't know much about the Tatis situation, but when I look at the stars of the '90s that we remember as superstars, and like some of them, it's still just a rumor. It's still just something that was whispered down the vein, and they're not in the Hall of Fame. I don't understand that at all. I prefer the way Pro Football Hall of Fame does it. I think that's more fair and more reasonable. And I don't think we're going to see a situation. We'll see. Th we'll see situations with guys like Antonio Brown. That's different. But I know it came up with, like, DeAndre Hopkins. Like, this six-game suspension, if he becomes a Hall of Famer, will that impact him? No, the only way it will impact him is that he doesn't play enough, and then he goes to the back of the line of great wide receivers with Mike, Mike Evans and those guys because he wasn't there to, to help his team that, this year.
Mike, what did you think of the Deion Sanders comments? Because to me, you're in the Hall of Fame. You're in the Hall of Fame. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. You you know what? I'll talk to people on Twitter and fans and be like, you know, you journos, you media types, you play favorites in the Hall of Fame. You were mad and you kept Terrell Owens out for two whole years because you didn't like him. And and, and, and they'll say things like that. You know what? The players should decide. Well, you know what would happen if you had the players decide the Hall of Fame? I know what will happen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Every grudge, every old – every back in my day, we were manly men, and these guys can't play, and they don't have to cover, and the rules have changed. All of that would happen. The golf buddies would get in, and then, like, the superstar who they didn't like wouldn't get in, and you would hear all this Deion Sanders stuff. You got to remember Deion Sanders a couple of years ago got into a beef. When he was a TV announcer, he would got into a beef. He didn't know who Keith uh, Kevin Byard was. He didn't know who the all pro safety for the Titans was at, up at, you know, in his position group, generally speaking, didn't know who that guy was. This is the kind of person you would bring in and let them run the hall of fame. No, the hall of fame would be 20 guys. And it would just be Deion Sanders and like his, his cigar buddies. Agreed. Uh, that is not <laughs> the way to go. Sorry for all you hall yeah, of famers uh, out there who think that you would do a better job than the, uh, put the I, time I and effort. Deion or Michael Irvin when it comes to all Michael Irvin just said that the Cowboys reduced their penalties yesterday. They're going to be the 72 Dolphins or they, they matched <laughs> up with, I'm like, oh, you know, and it's like, we know the hall of fame voters. We know the, the guys who do it. And like, we, we hear them like, Oh, we're, I'm calling old players. I'm calling old coaches. They're calling me. I'm emailing them. I've got this little dossier of the person I'm presenting. All this work goes in. You know, the players who just come in shooting from the hip. They watch the game on yeah. Sundays like we did. They've got their car dealership or whatever. They're the morning voice of, uh, you know, the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals on a radio station. They're not going to come in with, like, all of this background knowledge and be ready to debate. They're like, hey, I remember that guy. He, he, he beat me once on the field. Let, let put him in or don't put him in because he beat me once. Mike, I don't know about you. Uh, I'm a guy who enjoys shots from the grassy knoll. Don't always buy into them, but I always enjoy hearing uh, specific uh, stories and or beliefs that there's uh, a hidden uh, gunman behind every curve. This one I heard for the first time and I hadn't even thought of it. And shame on me. I should have uh, come up with uh, the ability to add two and two together and figure this out for myself. I didn't. But when I saw it this week, I said, oh, damn, they're onto something. J.C. Treader is the head of the Players Association, president of the Players Association. And last year was the sixth-ranked center on Pro Football Focus. And you can have your opinion of Pro Football Focus's rankings, whether you like it, don't like it, like it sometimes, don't like it all the time. Uh, I think they do a pretty good job. And it's very difficult to rate centers' productions. They had him as the sixth-best center in the NFL last year, became a free agent, still isn't signed. Is this a union thing that is he being blackballed by the National Football League that he can't get a job when he was the sixth best center in the NFL last year? Even though the Buccaneers lost a center and the Browns just lost two centers. Uh, and, and so these jobs are opening up. You know, on the one hand, I, I was union leadership when I was a teacher back in the NFLPA. And you're always your antenna is always up for something like this. This is retribution. The problem I'm having in the Treader case is. For what? The NFL got that contract signed in 2020, that new CBA, that 10-year CBA. And Treader was sort of – I don't think he was voted in yet as president. He was still just one of the the voices in the room at that point. But the NFL got just about everything they wanted in that. They avoided a work stoppage right at the same time as the COVID shutdown when everyone was shuttering. The the union kind of fell on the ranks and signed this. They got the – 
the ownership got the uh, got the control they wanted. You know, Goodell got has this power right now to overturn everything. If you're uh, you know, his retribution for being the head of the players union for what, what did he do that like was, was so bad besides be the head of the union. That's the part that I keep tripping over. Who did he tick off when the union has been sort of at heel? It's been at heel really for, well, for the last 25 years, but definitely for the last two years. Yeah. That's one thing I, I don't get either. Uh, Mike, just the whole JC chart, but, but another one too, like I'm actually kind of shocked Odell Beckham hasn't signed yet or right. he's waiting or you know have you heard anything like of his status right now everyone's sort of waiting because he, he won't be available yet i think what we're going to see is we're going to see the workout video or we're going to hear the dr james andrews report about his knee and then it will pick up and i think the teams that are interested like the rams like potentially the buccaneers they're circling they're looking at their cap situation they're looking at their own receivers and waiting so you know, that's that's a different thing. It's very different with Treader where he doesn't have an injury. And we've had all these injuries around the league where we say, okay, come in. Beckham, you can kind of see like like no one wants to make the decision right now, bring him in and discover, oh, we went in with a scope on the knee and it's going to be another two weeks, three weeks, a month, which could impact the playoff run. All right. This week in the this week coming up in uh, preseason action is the penultimate, which I like to use that word because I know what it means. I used to misuse it, and someone once advised me, Jody, you misusing the word. So I now know for sure what it means next to last. Uh, penultimate week of NFL football. It used to be called the dress rehearsal week, yes. where the starters would play at least to the half, if not toward the third quarter. You're going to get no starters going anywhere near half across the National Football League this week. It has changed. To the positive of the detriment of the NFL, the teams, and the Eagles certainly fall into this category, Mike, are more cognizant of injuries than actual getting reps into their players to be ready for game one. It's very variable right now because you're right. Most teams are like, let's bench the starters forever and keep them in bubble wrap. Frank Reich does not agree. The Colts, Matt Ryan was out there, I think, in the third quarter or something. like. And we're all watching this like, why? That's Matt Ryan. We know he can play football. We know he'll be ready. Uh, why is he out there? It wasn't really the third quarter, et cetera. So it's variable from team to team. I'm still trying to get a bead on what different teams are thinking. We know in 2020 there was no uh, preseason whatsoever due to COVID. And that woke up a few teams in terms of, hey, we went out there in September and we were fine. We were fine. But I think a couple of coaches, and, I, and I've heard whispers of this, looked at that and said, yeah, we were fine because everybody else was in the same boat. Like everybody else had no preseason, so our guys looked okay. I wasn't happy with our preparation. I wasn't happy with where our rookies were. I wasn't happy with where our first team was. And some of them in the last year or two are pendulum swinging back. I mean, we did see the starters for a series or two for the Eagles. So it's variable all over the league. I'm not sure what to expect this week. For example – the Dolphins keep saying Tua Tungavola is going to play. He didn't play last week. I don't know if we're going to see him this week. So it's not like what it was, and I'm really not sure what the what the optimal uh, situation is going to turn out to be. I'll tell you what, it isn't optimal. Making Deshaun, throwing Deshaun Watson out there because it's a PR move and then throwing his starting center out there so that he doesn't get hurt and the starting center gets hurt. That's not optimal. That's stupid. Everything else I think is kind of negotiable. Do you like the three game preseason, Mike, or would you rather have it? Because I'm I'm starting to get to okay, let's go to two now because it's yeah. just taking too long. 
I like I would like two. I think two is fine because you do want to get these guys out there. I think we need we need to see them in these game situations. I think we need a little something to talk about. I think it does work from a PR standpoint for the league to throw these games out there and get everybody ginned up. And the players probably get something out of it. It was always the first one where you're watching the fifth string. And the fourth one, the Labor Day one, which was just like there is nothing worthwhile about this. This is just like the backups and practice squad running around out there. If you get rid of both of those, these ones in between, I think, have some value. By the way, Mike, that's my number one change to the NFL schedule five to make it. Let's start Labor Day again. I, I miss yeah. that. I miss it too. <laughs> Never that happened, but and look at the TV ratings. They don't miss that. Everybody's still on summer vacation and stuff. The college yeah. games have started. U.S. Open, I think, does actually pick up some of those years. Like, screw this. We're going to start the following week when everyone's back to school. That's the way the NFL likes it. Yeah, that's one yeah. they're not going to revisit. You're right about that. All right. Uh, I need both of you to comment on this because three of my favorite National Football League writers slash opinion generators are Jeff Kerr, Mike Tanier, Peter King. I was oh, kind of to be in that conversation. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I was kind of surprised that Peter King, who, yes, I read faithfully every single week, Monday morning, he he let the 49ers kind of use him to badmouth Jimmy G this week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that we had not heard anything about Jimmy G not being a good teammate or comply. Uh, they, they've come to just say he's gone, he's done, he's going to get traded. If not, he's going to be cut. They've completely washed their hands of him because Trey Lance looks good enough for them that they're going to go to the wall with him. And all of a sudden, Jimmy G is this problem child who yeah. doesn't like to work during the offseason. As soon as he got his contract, they couldn't get a hold of him. How did we not hear about this for years? And then all of a sudden, it's it's general knowledge. Everybody like knows it. Right? How did Peter King get sucked down that rabbit hole? I mean, I don't know where to start with it. Because first of all, they're bad-mouthing him while trying to trade him. Okay. There's also a little bit of, you're the boss. And for three or three or four years, I forget what it has been off the top of my head. This guy ghosted on you in the preseason and the offseason. You were mad about it, but you didn't resolve it. That doesn't look particularly good for you if you're Kyle Hatton and John Lynch. Well, he's not returning our calls. Well, get him in here and read, it, read him the riot act. Call his agent and read the riot act. Yeah, you did draft Trey Lance. Bring in somebody else to kind of threaten his job a little bit. There's a lot of things you can do as a head coach to resolve this and say, look, Maybe we need to have monthly meetings or weekly meetings in the offseason. They don't do that. So there, there's a lot of goofy stuff on that side. The bottom line is I have a feeling this 49ers version of the, of the events is a little overstated at this point, and it's been a little over-dramatized as they try to you know, meet their agenda with this guy out the door. What frustrated me about that whole thing was I thought Jimmy G handled it as well as you could have last year. He said, you know what? They drafted this guy. I know they wanted to be the future I thought Kyle Shanahan handled it well and said, you know what, Jimmy G's our quarterback this year to come hell or high water. And Jimmy G was a true soldier, and he helped out Trey Lance when he needed him. He was his biggest supporter. And this right. is how you repay the guy now by right. finding some red flag, if you even want to call it that, because he doesn't want to return your calls in 2017, 2018. It's, I, I, I don't know. It's and Like what you said, Mike, they're trying to trade him. What are you doing here? Right. Right. I, I, I don't understand it at all. All right, Mike, have you checked this week's uh, preseason week two schedule just yet? You gave us some pretty good insight, funny insight as to you're watching over this past weekend. What are you going to be watching this upcoming weekend? Are there some games to you that kind of stand out more than the others? Uh, let's see. You know, Bears, Seahawks, we need to see more Justin Fields. 
We need to see more Drew Locke. We need to see more Geno Smith. That's, That's a Buck Aikman debut, isn't it? Who is isn't that? that? Isn't that the ESPN game? Isn't that the Joe Buck Troy Aikman debut? That might be the Joe, Joe Buck Troy Aikman debut. And we might see J.J. Ortega Whiteside in that game, too. But I will not be watching that live. I'm going to the Santana concert on Thursday. Oh, oh so okay. you're a smart man. Right. Doing, I, I think doing I the Santana thing. Can't complain. Can't uh, uh, give you a hard time for that one. Uh, no, Monday night is the Monday night game is the, the first ESPN game, right? Oh, Falcons Jets. Falcons Jets. I got tickets, which I'm not going to use. I'm going to be watching Bucket Aikman on TV just like everybody else. But that's my preseason game this year is Falcon Jets. Sorry, I'm not going. Uh, yeah, oh, no, I'll be in front of the TV to that one for watch to watch Joe Flacco spin the football. Has looked Joe good Flacco. in Jet Camp. What happens and, uh, if he goes 2-0 while Wilson's on the sidelines? Oh, we could have a quarterback controversy in Jersey this year. Mark it down. Jody Mack says it's going to happen. It is going to happen. It is definitely going to happen. And the Jets are trying to pour cold water on it. Like, we don't know how long Zach Wilson will be out so that if he's out an extra week or two, like the fans don't come with the, the pitchforks and the shovels. Um, but, yeah, and also the Falcons, you get uh, Desmond Ritter, who looked kind of okay, and Marcus Mariota, who we watch every time he scrambles, like he's going to get hurt. He's going to get hurt. He's going to get – oh, he's okay. So that's not a terrible preseason game as a debut to watch. I will be watching that next Monday night. But I'm looking over the schedule. And – that's the thing, you know, with three preseason games, who do you want to see? The rookie quarterbacks, the quarterback controversies. So, again, we're going to be looking at the Seahawks, looking at the Steelers, the Falcons a little bit, the Titans with Malik Willis to kind of see how these guys are shaping up, shaking up. Speaking of Malik Willis, did you have a problem with Vrabel kind of benching him mid-drive? That was the one game I watched Thursday, and like, why is he taking them out? And then he said he took them out because, well, he wasn't throwing the ball, so – I guess Willis isn't as advanced as we thought he was, or I don't know what the deal is. I don't think any of us thought he was advanced, you know, to be fair, coming out of Liberty. Like, if you were really being honest about it. Like, if you weren't like, well, oh, I love this kid because he's a small school wonder. He, he's not very advanced. I mean, as a coach, you're like, okay, hand off on third and long, then take him out so it doesn't become a controversy. That's about the only thing I would say about that. He was holding the ball too long. Malik Willis, again, he's from Liberty. He The one time he ever faced a real – opponent was Mississippi and like he really struggled against them he's running around he can scramble very well he's holding the ball too long he's not seeing the receivers downfield he's not ready not ready this year he does have a good arm shows some promise but that turned into one of those tempest in the teapot controversies because it's preseason what do we do oh we stump for the rookie quarterback he's awesome let him play let him play put him out there because you know it's like rah rah it's not my job on the line if he fails (laughs) you know uh so, so let's do that and that's kind of where we were with him on, Tuesday, on Thursday. All right, Mike, last thing. I need a prediction from you, and it's yes. got nothing to do with the outcome of a game. It has to do with, and it affects the Eagles this week, will the expedited, and I did look it up and made sure I understood what the word was, and I'm not misunderstanding it, expedited decision by the appointee of Roger Goodell was supposed to come down. It's already been almost two weeks. Will we have a decision from uh, the former attorney general of the state of New Jersey, Peter C. Harvey, before Sunday when the Eagles played the Browns? Or is how long Deshaun Watson's going to be suspended, going to stay a national secret till like hours before the first game of the season? Will they have a decision before Sunday? I thought we were going to get one at the end of the week last week. So I thought when Deshaun Watson is starting a preseason game, Goodell's going to say, uh-uh. Uh-uh. Get him off TV. Get him out of there. Now that hasn't happened. I am 
off the projection time table with this. I think we might see it. What's the Friday before Labor Day, whatever day that is at 4.59 p.m., when most of us are hoping to get to the beach for an hour or two. I think that's when we're going to get this goofy thing. And it, and it will not be the end of it because, again, the, the uh, Watson's lawyers and the NFLPA are going to file to a federal court. It will fail in a federal court, but they'll file to a federal court. So even then, we will not have final resolution. Mike, great stuff. We appreciate whenever you come on, you give us good uh, insight and a couple of yucks while you're at it, which I appreciate at least. Uh, like having fun with you when you do join us. Thanks for doing it today. We'll get you back up in a month or so. Thanks, buddy. Take care, guys. It's Mike. Thanks. Mike Tanier, Football Outsiders, here with us on Birds 365. And yeah, I, I even like his answer to the last question. The Friday news dump Labor Day weekend. Can it get any better than that as to when they're going to actually decide and put it out there as to how much Deshaun Watson's going to be suspended? Makes too much sense. It's uh, Mike says the beach. Uh, I say high school football. I'm always trying to go to my local high school football game and Friday news dump, Jody. It happens every yeah, year. There you go. They keep us honest in what we do. All right, uh, JK, I got to jump out a little early today. I got CBS Sports Radio duties. They called me in. At the last second. So uh, I'm going to ski daddle. You're going to get Tone to bring you home. He's uh, going to get you to the top of the hour. JK, thank you for jumping aboard and uh, filling the Johnny Mac shoes for us today. Yeah. No problem, Jerry. By the way, I've been on CBS Sports Radio a lot over the last couple of weeks, but I haven't had, had the pleasure of getting interviewed by you yet. Oh, I don't. I, I talk to you too much. I'm tired of talking to you. Uh, the first that's what it is. That's why <laughs> I don't call you. All right, fine. I'll call you. I'll put you up this weekend. Uh, I, I, you know what? I still get uh, busted on for WIP because they're like, I'm never on with Jody Mac. I'm like, I was just talking with Jody Mac. Like, yeah, you're, you and I talk plenty, and it's always fun when we do. Thanks for filling in for Johnny Mac today. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having me on, Jerry. All right, Jeff and Tone will come back and put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. Stay there. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that can you search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? 
I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Birds 365. I am Tony. This is the second, and I am here with Jeff Kerr. We are going to try to close this show out without a hitch. We're missing Jody Mack. He had to go take care of some business, and we're also without John McMullen. We appreciate you guys for staying loyal to the show. We appreciate you guys for staying locked in on the content. If you haven't already, make sure you guys smash that like button. It really helps the content grow. And on top of that, make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jacob Sports youtube channel and if you want more from john mcmullen check him out on jkipsports.com that's j-a-k-i-b sports.com so jeff first things first man um you know we have about 15 10 minutes uh left in the show and i have to ask you because i haven't really been able to tap in with you that much on regarding um the latest with the preseason and um we know we saw what we saw from jalen hurts in the first and second team and I'm curious to know, do you think it translates to the follow-up preseason game? Do you think Nick Sirianni is going to have these guys playing uh, his starters in the uh, in the next preseason game against the Cleveland Browns? Judging off his history and what I saw in the NFL from joint practices this week, no. Um, Tampa Bay and Miami confirmed that to me, and Dallas and Denver <laughs> more than solidified that because they didn't play anybody. And the one starter Denver played, Jonas Griffith, Injured his elbow in the second play of the game. So I don't think we're going to see Jalen Hurts that much this preseason anymore, if at all. Like, I I, I honestly would be shocked if he did play against Cleveland. I, I mean, he was supposed to play a second preseason game last year, and then he got the, the food poisoning thing. So we might see him there, but I don't think we're going to see anybody in that third preseason game. So you do want to see the starters. Sunday might be your best bet. Okay, so they're putting all their eggs in this joint training camp basket. Uh, again, yes, they are the joint preseason practice champions. They, that's what, <laughs> what they are. They went 4-0 last year. They had to tell you straight to your face. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So, see you guys week one in Atlanta. And of course, you know, they backed it up. They, they beat Atlanta, what, 34-6? It was pretty impressive. They did get off to a slow start overall for the year. But, you know, it's, it is what it is, Tone. I, I mean, it's. That's how they choose to run things, and they went to the playoffs last year, so I can't argue too much with what they're doing. Yeah, you know, I mean, to your point, right, they are – they do have results. You know, they've shown positive results from doing the things that they've you know, that they've done. But me personally, you, you can't help but to – you can't take away what live action football does, you know, for your preparation for the regular season. You know, um, these guys have to get used to being hit. Uh, these guys had to get uh, used to the speed. You know, we saw 
uh, the starters, the first team had a few offensive line penalties. So um, getting these guys just to that game speed, that live action game speed, the closest you're going to get to that are these preseason games. And I mean, the, the joint practices, they're such a controlled environment and, with it being such a controlled environment, sure, you can dictate pace. Sure, you can dictate scenarios, but you can't necessarily dictate or replicate the type of energy that's created on a live NFL field during live NFL action. Yeah, and here's the thing, too. So last year with the joint practices, I, I, from what I remember, and again, they've had joint practices. They've had plenty of them over the years. And just from people I talked to, you're right. It is a controlled environment, but they do actually play like – simulated games there and they do give themselves looks they don't give themselves like they don't throw everything i would say it's about 10 15 of the playbook at best but i think it's more a a nick sirianni and a bill belichick and again this was last year you know kind of picking each other's brains because belichick's always picking somebody's brain and nick sirianni picked his brain i think you're going to see the same with nick and kevin stefanski and mike mcdaniel's definitely going to be picking nick's brain because mike mcdaniel is a first year head coach and nick had a lot of success in year one last year so I think that's why they do it, honestly. I think it's more of, okay, like, let's see what you're doing. Let's see what you're doing. We're not playing it this year. Let, let's give each other a decent look here. I think that's where the controlled environment comes in. But overall, yeah, I would agree. Like, with the three preseason games, I, I do think you need reps. And if he plays them a quarter Sunday, I, I'm more than fine with that. Because just watching games across the league, no one's really playing. Like, the old school guys play their guys in the preseason. Andy Reid, Mike Tomlin. Bill Belichick to an extent. And here's the other thing, and this is where I agree with them. The Chiefs and Steelers usually win. The Patriots usually win. Now, granted, they've had Tom Brady when they usually win, but they did win 10 games last year. So I can't argue with what they're doing compared to what the younger guys are doing, but I, I always feel like the Chiefs and Steelers are ahead of the curve when it comes to this, and they have coaches that still take their team's away from their practice facilities for training camp. They still do the old school now type things. And, and everybody has a different way of doing it. It's, But I will say this, Tone. Eagles have to get off to a good start this year because this schedule is more unbearable. And, and that's my thing, right? The start to this season is so important because you have maybe the most favorable. I, I, I don't want to say easy. You know, there are a lot of people saying they have an easy schedule. I don't think any NFL game is necessarily easy because anybody can come out and punch you in the mouth, right? But I think it's favorable, and it's as favorable, favorable as it can possibly be. You open the season against Detroit, and then, uh, you have, and then you play the Minnesota Vikings and, you know, Jacksonville. They have the perfect schedule in terms of preparing yourself for the task ahead. Um, the schedule gets a little tougher as the season goes. And the best quarterback you're going to face is Aaron Rodgers. And then, and then after that, there's a drop-off to guys like Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins. So um, I just think, you know, it's so important for these guys, especially this defense, to try to at least get some high-quality reps, like you said, against um, these guys in the joint practices in the, in, in, in the preseason games. It's going to be so imperative, you know, going up against a guy like Deshaun Watson. I believe Deshaun Watson is going to play in the preseason game, right? Uh, we would assume so. I mean, he played last week and he was like one for five for six yards. So wow. unless something changes, Deshaun Watson's going to be practicing in these joint practices this week. And we'll be he won't be available to anybody, which he's never available. The only time he spoke was to uh, my colleague Aditi uh, at CBS. Um, so yeah, really, that's the only time it's, I, it's tough, Tony. It, it, it really is. But 
with this whole preseason thing, but I will say this with the schedule. Like last year, I still remember going on here and I backed it up. I said, okay, well, Tampa's going to be a loss. Uh, Kansas City's going to be a loss. It was a tough schedule. Dallas is going to be a loss. San Fran was a toss up. They lost. Atlanta was a toss up at the time. They won. They won convincingly. I think that was the kind of, I guess you can say the fool's gold in there. Uh, Carolina was a toss up too. And Honestly, we thought that was going to be a loss because of the way they started. And they got a big win there, and then they played. So when they were 2-4 after six weeks, I wasn't ex- exactly shocked. I'm like, well, that's probably what I thought they'd be. You know, right. if they were 1-5, I would have panicked. But, again, it's – but this year, at at the very worst, it should be 4-2 and two after six weeks. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I want to shift gears with you a little bit on the final few minutes of the show. Um, what was your evaluation of the young guys, uh, the rookies in particular, uh, in that Jets uh, preseason opener, you know, guys like Cam Jurgens, uh, Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean, um, Kyron Johnson. I know Grant Cacotero wasn't able to play because he's dealing with some hamstring issues. Um, but what was your overall evaluation of those key rookies uh, that I mentioned? Well, Nicobe Dean was one of the first guys I watched when he got in the game. And the the Jets ran eight design run plays. Nicobe Dean had a tackle on four of them. And a lot, of that, a lot of that had to do with Jordan Davis because Jordan Davis was just making life easy for him. It was Jordan Davis just kind of bull rushes everybody out of the way, and there's a huge lay, and the Kobe Dean was there to stop him. The only thing I didn't like about Jordan Davis's performances, and again, this is just the football coach in me, I guess, or the former player in me. I, I don't know, but I thought he was too high. And again, if Jordan Davis gets slower, and it, he's a rookie, it's his first game. But if he's lower, man, he's just going to dominate all day long. I mean, he already is, in a sense. He's already ahead of the curve. But Jordan Davis is going to be a special player. I, I'm going to say that right now. I, I really like what I'm seeing out of Jordan Davis. I think that Kobe Dean is playing his way onto the first team. I don't know if he will be a first teamer. T.J. Edwards has had a really good camp. And you got to be happy with the linebackers overall tone. Um, Cameron Johns, I didn't get to see much of him. You know, by then I was kind of right. So when I rewatch a game, I was like, okay, I think Kyron Johnson makes this team. I think he's going to be on special teams. Right. But, um, Cam Jurgens was more than impressive. I mean, yeah, it, he's not Jason Kelsey. It's hard to be Jason Kelsey. He's a four time first team all pro, but Cam Jurgens did more than hold his own. And he's been doing that in camp, too. It's Cam Jurgens is going to be a good player for them. It, it was a good pick. It's the Eagles and their fans <clears throat> be very happy with their top three picks just based on what I saw Friday night. Yeah, you said something interesting about um, Jordan Davis. Um, he could have he could have gotten lower, right? Uh, you know, yeah. they always say low man wins, right? Yep. So uh, Jordan Davis, could that have something to do with his conditioning? You know what? I, I just think it's just Jordan Davis being used to being the bigger man, right? You know, big man always beats a little man. And I, I think it's something that they're going to preach to him. I think maybe it, it's just the way the technique is, but – I. I Condition-wise, I don't see an issue with him right now. But, again, still rookie. I, I think coaches will point that out to him, like, hey, man, just get a little lower. You know, you're not going to be facing this type of – this issue in the regular season, right? So you got to get lower because you're going to – week one, you're facing Frank Regnick, and he's a good center. So you're going to have to get lower. But, again, it's I think that's why he's going to rotate too because – He's not going to be in there every play unless someone like Fletcher Cox or Javon Hargrave gets hurt. But I think that's something that it's got to develop over his rookie year. It's something that he can't rely on just being the bigger man all the time. Right. But really, really uh, this is all I got to say about it. It's, I mean, again, I'm being nitpicky, but that's my job, right? I'm nitpicky <laughs> toward everything. I, I thought Jalen Hurts had the great game, and there was still like one or two plays where I'm like, eh, 
okay, he might have done this. But again, live action, a little different. But live action for Jordan Davis, yeah, he can get lower. Because that's what they always told me. And I, I'm a small guy. Get lower. Hey, low man wins, like they always say. Hey, Jeff, man, we appreciate you for always being able to come in and pinch it for us on Jacob Sports, man. You do great work over there at cbssports.com, and, uh, you know, we're grateful to have you. Um, You guys, make sure you continue to support the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. Make sure you guys are smashing that like button. It really helps the content grow. Make sure you guys are commenting below in the live chat. We notice you guys over there, and you guys remain engaged. You guys are always uh, communing amongst uh, amongst each other and yourselves, and it's, and it's so dope seeing um, you guys have your own different theories, your own different philosophies on how to approach the game, and also your expectations for the season. It's it, it's really cool. This you know this new age, you know this new digital age where you're able to actually communicate directly with the fan. Uh, it really means a lot to us uh, sports, and it really means a lot to Jacob Sports uh, more than anything. But make sure you guys continue to stay engaged. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. On top of that, if you want more from John McMullen, if you want more from other writers. On, Jake, on the Jacob Sports uh, roster, such as Paul Domowich or Joe Santaliquido, make sure you guys lock in on jacobsports.com. That's J-A-K-I-B sports.com. And also, don't forget, we have one of the best post-game shows coming for you guys soon. Uh, come come the start of the Eagle season. We're going to be broad- They're going to be pro- broadcasting live from Ocean Casino Resort. You're going to see guys like Mike Messinelli, Seth Joyner, Derek Gunn, uh, ladies like Devin Caney. This is probably the most dominant, maybe the best post-game show that you're going to see. And you guys do not want to miss it. You guys want to be a part of the journey, and we're going to be broadcasting every um, Eagles post-game. Two to three minutes after each game, you're going to see those guys at Ocean Casino Resort and the new sports book, The Gallery, at Ocean Casino Resort. Like I said, Derek Gunn, uh, Seth Joyner, Devin Caney, Mike Missinelli, that's an all-star roster, and make sure you guys are in attendance. But I'll leave it at that, you guys. This is Birds 365. He's Jeff Kerr. I'm Tony DeShields the second, filling in for Jody Mack and John McMullen. One love, stay humble, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay hungry, you guys, and fly goes fly. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.